and it is a damn good day to have a damn good day. Live, Steve LeClaire, you're in the building. Let's go, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Ian. I'm glad to be here, man. I'm glad we're doing this. It's so awesome. It's I'm very grateful for meeting just great, genuine humans here in Miami, and you're one of them. So I'm really glad that we're finally doing this. Ah, uh, thank you, thank you. Actually, the very first time we met, you know, we met through a mutual friend. We had so much fun together, and just you know, since then. Uh, so many great meetings. So it's, it's been awesome. Man. Country music, man. That's Country music. But you, you know, what's, what's amazing is we both moved here to Miami, you know, a few years ago and just the way that the community embraces you. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. The people, they're all so friendly. It's just a, a great place to make new connections. I, someone told me something recently. They said, don't you find it really hard to make connections in Miami? And I said, for me, Personally, no, but that's because I put effort into meeting people, right? I, I put myself out there. I feel like that's so important for anyone to make any city home. They need to put themselves out there. They need to try hobbies. They need to meet a crowd. They need to do stuff and start making the friends that make a community a community. Otherwise, they'll just never feel like home. I, I agree with you, man. I mean, it's one of those things. I've got two grown children, and they actually make fun of me because they're like, dad goes anywhere in the world, and he knows somebody. He, he runs into somebody he knows, and, and it's very true, but I do exactly that. It's, I put myself out there. But here specifically in Miami, you know, the way that I describe it with, with people today is like it reminds me of my first week in college. You know, your first week, you think back to that, and it's like everybody's showing up. Everybody's from someplace else, and it's like, hey, I'm Steve. What's your name? You know, what's your favorite color? Right. So it's it's been a lot of fun. I just I think it is really, really easy here to meet people. Where'd you move from again? So I came from Ohio, Columbus, Ohio. I still maintain a residence up there. Um, I moved to Ohio in 2003. I've got family roots there, but I'm actually originally from um, the Colorado area, actually a little small town in the mountains just outside of Denver. And your entire career and, and history is just so impressive. Every time we hang out, typically on Peter's boat. Yes. <laughs> you know, I can't stop asking you questions because it's fascinating. The whole world of wealth management and finance and uh, something that is just so vital to every single person's life. And you've been able to create an amazing business doing that. Can you give us the background a little bit about high level overview of, of what exactly you do? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So my, my day job is, is wealth management, but our wealth management business is just a little bit different. So yeah, we, we work with some, you know, ordinary kind of like average type of situations, but we work with a lot of business owners. And it was something that I really got interested in about 15 years ago was, was the wealth management that's associated with these business owners. Because where I was trying to create my own business, I saw a lot of myself replicated in the people that I'd run into. It's you go, you dive into work, you, you put everything into it, and then you wake up and it's like 30, 40 years later, and these people have substantial businesses, but at the same time, it's their baby, it's their life work, and, and actually the day that they sell it is, it, it's quite sad for a lot of them. It, it's quite sad to, to see you know, their baby and let it go. And, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of myself in that as well, too, is, you know, I've, I've always been willing to jump on a plane, go chase another deal, go and, and learn about a new family. But that's one of the things that I love. I've, I've had so many experiences with so many different families, so many different businesses. And, and so if you ask me, is there like one one story in particular that I like the most? 
The answer is no, it's probably the next one, right? It's, it's the upcoming family that I haven't met yet. That's probably my favorite one. That's interesting. So it's mostly centered around buying and selling of the actual businesses. That's correct. Yes. Got it. Yes. Interesting. So you get to really meet these people to their core because you're, when you work with a, a company, you're on their team in that sense and you're trying to help them out. That's right. That's right. You're, you're one of their very like close advisors, yeah. um, very trusted advisors. And, and what's actually interesting about business owners when they go through that sale process is most people don't realize that a key manager or the key managers of the business actually have more liquid wealth than the business owner does. So it's not until they sell are they the actual rich person. They were a rich person on paper, but they couldn't spend it. It was all tied up into that company. And so it's it's that that data sale when when all of that money comes actually, to fruition because yeah. they're just reinvesting every penny. Every penny. Absolutely every penny. Every penny and every ounce of sweat just goes right back into the company. What is maybe the most common denominator you see amongst companies that you, you help sell and do these entire process that is common amongst people. It's maybe something that they're missing or a, a big point that is, is an obvious to you, but most people just don't think about. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's, there's actually several with it. You know, it, it's, it's really, um, it's fascinating to go through the process with them because it's quite emotional. And so there's a lot of highs and lows that go along the way. But as, as much as you think that a business owner, say they, they've got a business and it's worth in the tens of millions, maybe if it's over, over $100 million too, you, you would assume that they're sophisticated, right? That they know about investments, that they know, you know about like all the tax advantages that they can, they can um, really implement. And the answer is they don't. They're in uncharted territory just like everybody else. And actually post-sale of the company, they go through this very, very, you know, kind of like trial tribulation, just pendulum swinging inside them with emotion. And what they don't understand is they don't understand public markets. So they turn on CNBC. Their question is just like everybody else's. Like, why is that up? today? Why is that down today? Because when, when they were operating their company, most likely their company wasn't public. And so they'd never seen it just go up and down. And so that's just, that's a rarity to them. So it's, it's a real hard emotional time. Got it. And then is it mostly just uh, like taking a company's public or do you also do private sales as well? No, the vast majority of our companies, they, they sell to another private company or to a financial buyer to private equity. That's really interesting that you would assume a business owner that's doing tens of millions of dollars in sales has a deep background in this, but that just no. isn't always the case. That's that's the rarity, yes. I think it, I find it fascinating that so many people, and this is sort of a different subject in this world, you'd assume that they are X and X and X, but really it's just a lot of people winging it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what they became an expert as in is they became an expert in their business. And they, pour, they poured their heart and their soul into it because what's consistent amongst them as well, too, is, is the story. So it was, it was an idea. There was, there was some tough times. They, they really just scraped and, and managed to get by for years upon years, but they just kept plowing away. And, and so it started with themselves in their basement, their garage, you know, you name it, maybe a single office. But then after 10, 20, 30 40 years, 
it becomes quite substantial. There's a lot of employees. There's real processes that are there. So it's, it's quite impressive. But, you know, another thing that I would always point out to is it's, it's pretty interesting. Most of these entrepreneurs, they really do think of themselves as middle, middle class. And, and so their, their core values and, and how they look at themselves on paper, it's not the same as what the rest of the world looks at. That's really interesting. And do you think a lot of that has to do with just the fact that they haven't been paid that and because they're always just constantly just trying to get by? Yeah, and I, I think it's it comes from their backgrounds as well, too, because it's it's very rare that most of them either inherited the company or the or if they had that it was a substantial size. And, and so, you know, they, they come from an average, normal background, just like most people. That's got to be so inspiring from your perspective to be able to look under the hood of all these businesses and see what's been going on. That must be like a kid at a candy store. Oh, it, it's, it, it really is one of those things that just keeps me jazzed. Because you, you would have to, you find out every aspect, like every, every aspect of that a- business. Every, every aspect of the business, but you find out every aspect about the personal's personal life as well, too. Because one, one of the biggest joys in, in wealth management is you actually, you become part of the family. You, you're you're like the the third there's child, like a psycho- the non-beneficial a psychologist child. component to it. There's there's a huge psychological component to it. Yes. So with with the family, you share in their successes. You also grieve with their losses. It, it's you 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 really have a bond that happens with the family, and it's just it's special. I love that you yeah. share in the successes. You do and very you much. And the losses because you're on the same team. It's on a team on team. the same goal to to have the best outcome possible. That's correct. Yes. And it must be interesting trying to set expectations. Is that ever an issue? Uh, expectation setting is always an issue. Um, it's it, it really comes down to personality type more than anything else. And you know, as you can imagine, a lot of successful people they have very strong personalities, right? And so now they're entering into a world where they're not necessarily in charge, but they're used to being in charge. And, and they're used to having control to some degree as well, and they no longer have control. And so that can be a difficult... Just like the hurdle. process of getting acquired and now all of a sudden they're not the boss, now they're in... That's right. That, that's absolutely right. Especially when they sell a piece of their company, they, they sell it to an outside interest. All of a sudden there's other voices. And many times they sell more than 50% of their company, which means that they actually have the minority voice. It's, it's the buyer. There's probably who gets some the, huge buyer remorse there. There, there almost always is buyer remorse. Yeah. Or seller remorse, we should say. So you probably go through yeah. a, a process of really determining, are you sure this is what you want to do? Yeah. Yes. But as you could imagine is the vast majority of businesses in the United States, they're owned by baby boomers. And um, the timeline of life is, you know, it's getting shorter and shorter. And so there's at some point, there's a triggering event where eventually everybody has to exit the business. Right. And, and you'd rather do it on your terms. That makes a lot of sense. That's powerful. But there's also this huge upcoming wave of these young, super successful crypto millionaires. Not anymore. Not right? anymore. That's right. <laughs> but, but that are working that deal too. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. What's your process of taking on a new client? Is it something that a lot of it comes from referrals? Because I can imagine if I'm a business owner, I'd be very skeptical, right? Because if to put anyone sort of in charge of, of selling my baby, if you would. Yeah. And yeah. what's that process like of sort of... Uh, vetting customers on both sides and 
of growing that business to be able to do the types and levels of sales that you guys have been able to do? You know, that's a beautiful question. And what I really like about it is, is there's the assumption, there's the screening or there's, there's a lot of prospecting that goes on. And it originally with our business, that's true. But where we are today is between myself and my two partners, we're really known within the industry. And so we have a lot of inbound and a lot of, a lot of referrals that come our way. Or when we do outreach, people know who we are. So we have a, a great reputation within the marketplace. But a lot of our businesses, the business owners, um, they, they come from a handful of industries. And so you know who the clients are, you, you know the company. And when you start to take them through that process of, all right, here's the choices, you can real quickly understand whether there's, there's going to be a meeting of the minds, whether there's chemistry between you or not. Because when they're looking at us is I think they're looking at our chemistry as well too. Their, their expectations, what they think we do, you know, if that's not in line, it, it's very evident right away. And that's generally where we go ahead and we step out and we, but we're always willing to help too. And what I mean by that is we're always willing to refer to another group who may be a better fit. So all three of you and you and your two partners would get together with the company and, and talk it over. Correct. Correct. And, and with my, um, two partners, there is delineated like roles and responsibilities between us. So I'm more involved with the company post sale. What my other partner, Danielle, she's really involved with the company pre-sale and my partner, Michael, he's usually involved with the company several years before it sells. So it's, so with us as well too, as you can almost think of like, it's a conveyor belt on who's involved with, with the family or the company at what point. So what you do is sort of a dream for finance people. It's, it's, it's so interesting to be able to have the opportunity to do something like that. And I can imagine it's not easy to get into, right? Like most no, things in life. No. Can you kind of highlight sort of what helped you build that now huge lead funnel where people know who you are and people yeah. are coming to you? But what was it like before you had that? Oh, yeah, yeah. I never intended on going into the wealth management business. And it's, you hear this from so many people, what their career and their professions and their life work becomes was, was, you know, just a byproduct of a mistake. And so when I graduated from college, um, my, uh, my daughter was actually born when I was a senior in college. You were right? a senior in college? Senior. So you were what, 20, 21? I was, I was 21 when she was born. Yes. Damn. Yeah. So 22, I graduate. I wanted to go to medical school. I didn't get in, and so I needed to get a job. And that's when dot-coms, telecommunications were all the rage. And so I got a job selling telephone service. And it was one of those things where I was the right person at the right time. They told me to go cold call businesses. And so I walked from door to door, literally businesses in, in Denver, Colorado, and sold phone service. And it worked. Uh, I, was, I was good at it. And so I ended up working for three different telephone companies. All three went bankrupt. And when the third one went bankrupt, I said to myself, I say, you know, I got all these worthless stock options from these three companies. You know, at first they were worth something on paper, but I never recognized a dollar from them. And I was like, maybe I should learn what the stock option stuff is. And that's what got me interested in, in finance and got me interested in the stock market. And so I came up with this idea. I was like, you know, this last company, it was, it was one of the biggest bankruptcies in, in the U.S. in 2002. So you can look it up. Every, everybody can figure that out. Telephone company, bankruptcy, 2002. Little, uh, 
right away it'll pop towards the top. So I start thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, so these people, they work for these companies for 30 or 40 years. And then all of a sudden one day it's time to retire. And, you know, I know that they're just as clueless as I was because on that first day on the job, they tell you to fill out this benefits package. And so imagine like 30 years later, you're like, boy, I hope I checked the right boxes, right? So my, my idea was somebody needs to come up with a program to educate employees of these major companies on what their benefits are and how to create a financial plan. And, and so I started cold calling companies, financial services companies, and one of them took me up on it. And they're like, hey, that's a good idea. So I get the job there. And, and whenever you start into like financial advisory, wealth management, you're not given any business. And, and here's the funny side of it. I was paid a salary and I thought I won the lottery. They paid me $3,000 a month for six months. How many calls did you have to make to get that first buy-in? Well, this is the beauty because in the, in the telecommunications industry, what I learned really fast in the sales is you can call the biggest company in the world and you can call the smallest company in the world and they'll tell you no at the same speed, right? So you might as well start at the top. So within that first year, I started calling all the Fortune 500 companies and pitching them on this idea. And you're just hammering phones, hammering it, hammering it. And fortunately, one of the biggest, one of the top 10 actually picked me up on it and said, that's a really good idea. And so I started doing financial planning for their executives. And that was my breakthrough. And that was about a year into it. But if you ask how many thousands of cold calls it took, I have no idea. Thousands, thousands. of cold calls. Because it was the same companies over and over and over again, as, as you can imagine. But within 12 months, it was, it was life-changing. And so I traveled around with that corporation for um, about seven years. And there was, there was some fundamental changes that were making to human resources. And I was like, you know what? I think I want to do something different in financial services. I'll, I'll call this the first chapter of my career. I want to move on to chapter two. And then that's when I started to come up with the idea on, no, I want to work with business owners. I, I want to work with these, these um, companies where the, when the owner sells, they have this major liquidity event. And so that was the next 10 years of, of the career. Now I've been doing it for over 20. I never knew that about you. That's yeah, incredible. Yeah. I, it was fun. It was. It's been a fun journey. For my friends that do door to door sales, so I have a bunch of friends that do solar, yeah, other types of stuff. I've got to say, door to door sales is the most intense, best learning experience oh. any human could ever have in this world. Oh, it was. It was brutal. But you know, you go back to that time. I'm 22 years old, right? I have. I have a child. I have a baby. And they told me to walk door to door to those companies. I had nothing else to do. I remember all the other sales guys, you know, it's like three o'clock in the afternoon or Fridays, especially they're golfing, they're going to the bars, they're doing all this type of stuff. And I was just like, I can't afford that. I need to make money. I've got, I've got this, this kid, you know, I've, so the I've got kid to really was a motivational force for you. Yeah. I was, I was already kind of wired that way. I wanted to be a successful person, but at the same time, now you've got obligations and you're, you're going to fulfill those. It, it probably just helps silence some of those inner thoughts sometimes we're like, Oh, no, let's go. A absolutely. And, and because I was so young as well too, it's work was my outlet. Right. 
And so I was kind of escaping from the reality of my life through my work. I still do that to a large degree. So, so don't get me wrong. It's not like that's left. But I just I plowed all my energy and effort, and I would start early in the morning doing those cold calls, and I'd finish late in the afternoon. You know, as those businesses were, were locking their doors for the night, that's when I was done. It's cool that you do that because any business can hypothetically do cold calling, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Everybody who says cold calling's dead, cold calling's still alive and well. It still is. Because there's always going to be a personality that matches yours out there. There's always going to be someone that vibes with your message. And if you get on with the right person, your whole life can change. It's like getting oh. that first big client. It's like that first big customer. You That's know, the, right. The, the perfect relationship, the perfect ex. All of those things are all out there if you can if you can right place, right time with the right effort. Yeah. And, and for salespeople, I think sales, it, it's almost like a drug to them because once they hit that sale, it's, it's that euphoria. It's that success. They, they just love it. Absolutely love it. And it makes them continue on. So I, I just look at it as like, I think of all the times I've been told in my life. And obviously today, you know, at, at 45, the way when somebody says no to me today, I actually feel it where when I was 25, it was just like, meh, whatever, I'll keep moving on, you know, but, but good salespeople, that's, that's what it is. It's that thick skin. And it's just always like, Hey, I'm, I'm one step closer to the next. Yes. One step closer. That's so true. That's right. And it's also interesting that anyone can go out there today and start doing those cold calls. But after that, then once you get that sale, now it's delivering great customer service. Now it's building trust. Now it's doing all those other components. What are maybe some of the things that you have found that helped build that trust with clients early on in those relationships? Wonderful question. And actually, it's just being honest. I mean, we're, we're in a world where everybody's an expert on everything, but the reality is, is you, you can't be. And there's times when things go wrong. So look at everything that we've gone through in the last three years. We, we've gone through them where the world seemed like it was operating very well till we go into shutdowns from COVID, till we come back to this almost like sugar high spring, you know, out of COVID to today, you know, there's, there's high inflation, right? And it seems like there's this black cloud over the country where, where everybody's so pessimistic. And, and the reality is, is just the more that you talk to people, you tell them where your ideas are, you tell them what you think's going to happen. If you don't think things are going to go well, just be honest, but, but tell them what they need to do. You know, when you try to sugarcoat things, that's when you run into problems. Honesty is the most valuable resource that's not found very often. <laughs> that's true. That's true. And we all make mistakes. And sometimes the mistakes were from our blind ignorance. But other times it was just because we didn't know any better. Right. And that's something where you really have to you have to take that to heart. And it's like, how do you not repeat that? But, you know, one of my big mantras in life is I look at things and I say, OK, if something went wrong, if I were faced with all the exact same information all over again, would I make the same decision? And if the answer is yes, then I look at it as that wasn't a mistake. It didn't work out, but it wasn't a mistake. It's the mistake is when you were blind, blindly just, you know, making a decision and just ignoring something. And that's, that's the problem. That's, that's very wise. I mean, because everyone always has that regret after they made a bad decision. That's but right. it's really like you made the decision at the time. No. It's it's part of life, right? Right. Yeah. And the learning, I mean, it hurts. It hurts when you have to learn the hard way. But that's the only way we learn. That's, that's the only, the way, only we way we learn. That's right. 
it's interesting. It's like all of your experiences, whether it being for me, like I went through a lot of years of being sick or, you know, trying to start off my own businesses or just going through just any sort of experience in life, like it forms you into who you are, right? It does. If you're yes. born with money, it's different. If you're not, it's different. It's going out and hustling. It's trying to make something out of yourself. It's trying to get something off the ground. It's believing in it when no one else believes in it. That's right. And yeah. then eventually like the little wins, they start to add up and it's exciting. It's, it's in inspiring, right? And if you it just is get inspiring. A, you Absolutely. rack up a few little wins and then you just keep the momentum going and then you just get knocked down again. I like, Michael says this, Michael Berriman, uh, mm -hmm. the uh, founder of Weejits. He said, uh, business is all just about solving problems. That's it all is. you do. That's right. You just solve problems all day. And if yeah. you just think about it like that, it's no longer a problem because you're expecting problems. Mm -hmm. You're just, your job is to solve them. It, it is. And, but you know, there's also some monotony that goes with business. And, and so we're back in this world where everybody's starting to hate on Tom Brady and but Which I is crazy. Like, Tom Brady, come on. He's 45 years old, and every day he practices the same three-step, five-step, and seven-step drop. How many people have done that for 40 years? And the day that he would have stopped that, he would have no longer been Tom Brady. And that's, that's a big part of business, right? Every day you got to go out there and you got to practice your three-step, your five-step, and your seven-step drop. And just a lot of people get away from that. It is crazy. The Tom Brady is a great example of just no matter how well and successful you do, people just want you to fail. They just want you to fail. That's right. <laughs> but it's never people yeah. that are doing better than you that want you to fail. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? You know, I, I laugh because remember, this was probably 10 years ago or so, and his email got hacked. And everybody's like, oh, we finally got the dirt on Tom Brady. And it was literally the lamest stuff we'd ever seen in our lives. He was like, hey, guys, do you see that new J. Crew sweater? Isn't it neat? He didn't even swear in his, in his emails, man. <laughs> There's a comfort feeling when you're surrounded with other people that make you feel more comfortable with what you're doing right now. And it goes it's both true. ways, which is why I'm so grateful for Peter and this whole gang that we've yeah. been able to meet. Because every time I get to hang out with you or, or any of these guys, it's just like I'm inspired. I get to have fun. I get to do everything yes. I want to do anyway, but yes. I'm learning. I'm growing. It's the squad. It's the tribe. And that trust and that genuineness, you don't find very often. So it's like, I mean, that's just a shout out to our, our, our tribe. I, I, I have to agree with you. And I think that it's just, it's so incredibly powerful and inspiring because everybody's done something different, but everybody's there to learn from each other. And we're all different ages and, you know, so we hit all the demographics in this, this tribe of ours, but everybody treats the other as an equal. And we're, all of us are each other's champion. We're not, we're not out there trying to troll each other. We're not trying to say, oh man, you know, I hope Ian falls off his pedestal. <laughs> no, everybody's cheering for each other. And that's awesome. I, and I think that. that that's really important. You just nailed it. Everyone's each other's champion. And that's what friends should be. Yes, absolutely. That's like a good friend should should want you to to reach your max potential and help out wherever they can. Correct. Know? And absolutely. want the best for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and unfortunately, if you have friends that are not those friends, it's probably time for you to move on. Totally. You only have so much time in the world. You got to spend it with good peeps. Correct. Gotta Absolutely. Got to get the squad. Absolutely. That's why I got, good mindset. That's why I got Sky Films got, Media up here. He's the yes. best. He's the man. 
But it's interesting when you look at all of the different things you've done throughout your life and all the accomplishments and building and becoming so notable in, in your world and earning the trust of so many successful business owners that have, you know, uh, endowed you with the responsibility of, of, of pushing their life work forward. What are maybe one, two or three things that you would have told yourself if you could go back in time, right? Let's talk to you. Yeah. Let's say maybe you're, you're 19 years old or 16 or 17 years old and you could have told yourself, you know, one, two or three things that could have saved you a ton of time, money, heartache, headache. And obviously like natural answers are, mm -hmm. you know, I would have invested in crypto or two. <laughs> um, I, I, I would not have done I that. Wouldn't have told, <laughs> I wouldn't have told myself anything because everything, you know, made me who yeah. I am, to, which is a great answer. But what are maybe some of those core things that, you know, 45 year old you would have, would have loved to tell 17 year old you? I actually just revisiting what we were talking about is to find a tribe, a tribe of champions, a, a tribe of people who are all trying to strive to be better. Um, there's nothing wrong with most jobs, right? And, and we need jobs. And, and um, there's nothing wrong with going to work, putting in your time, but when the whistle blows, you go home. That's not who I've ever wanted to be. And going back to the tribe is putting yourself in a group of people that are trying to accomplish the same type of goals that you are, so if you want to be a business owner, if you want to be an entrepreneur, I think that you have to be around other entrepreneurs. And I do think that you need to have a group that's diverse in um, thought, uh, people who challenge you, but you need a, a group that's diverse in age as well too. And, and so I had this thought from just as I was going through college, I, I noticed like the older people, they were probably 60 at that time. And I thought that was really old. You know, we all do when we're like 18 to 20 years old. And, and those, those families, the, that mom and pop who lived in those college towns, they were always out with the college kids, right? But what I observed on that was they, were, they stayed connected. They stayed youthful. And back to that tribe is you know, having a variety of friends of all ages and that diversity of thought, I think is super important. Yeah. And then how would you suggest people find that tribe at a young age? Oh, that's, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, it's, it's a really good question. I think in today's age, it's a lot easier because of social media and because of, um, just the various network groups that have, have come along, I think that you can find those. So like in Miami, there's the tech groups. There's uh, a group that I became involved in um, in business years ago is called ACG, the Association of Corporate Growth. So it's, it's a community of merger and acquisition professionals. Um, I wish I had found that 10 years earlier. Uh, I, wish, I wish somebody would have had pointed me that direction. But back to um, like the other thing I wish I could have told the young Steve was I think I was, I was too egotistical, but I also didn't know in college where I wish I would have gone and relied on the resources, some of the advisors that were at the school. But I just, uh, again, I, I was 
probably have this mindset where I thought I could figure everything well, it's out hard myself. To even, you don't even have that thought process when you're that young. That's true. You're That's only thinking true. about sort of someone else's plan. Yeah. yeah. There, there was something else that somebody told me um, several years ago that I, th- I think made a lot of sense. And, you know, it, it's where I really encourage my kids, but everybody else's children as well, too, is, you know, people ask kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? Or what do you, what do you want to do next? And it's a really, it's a, it's a bad question, right? I mean, life is about figuring out what you don't want to do. And so it's crossing those things off. Like, I know this isn't a fit for me. And, and so it's taking the opposite approach at that. And that's, that's one thing that I wish I could have uh, talked to the younger Steve about. Never heard anyone say that. I love that. It's so true. I, mean, I, I wish I came up with it, but I, I did not. <laughs> life is all about figuring out what you don't want to do. It's the truest thing ever. And, and if you have the itch, you got to scratch that itch. You got to scratch the itch. Yeah. You know? Eventually yeah. you realize that scratching it too much is going to hurt yourself. But scratch it once. Make sure, you know, there's nothing there. You know, you might be actively being bit by a mosquito. But yeah. after that, figure things out. That's right. That's right. My daughter today is 24. And she's at this crossroads because she's not necessarily happy with, with what she's been doing. So she, she works for a, a, a very large accounting firm. And so, you know, coming from Colorado, she mostly grew up in Ohio. She's got that itch. Should I go to Denver? And I'm like, Olivia, do it. Do it. You'd absolutely want to do it. You want to go there. You want to experience it because you'd rather go there and know that it wasn't right versus always have it in the back of your mind boy, I wonder what it would have been like if I would have tried that. I love that. Because you have to try it out. I mean, you have to what's the worst case scenario? You move back. That's right. And that, that's the way I positioned it a tour too. You move back and you know that, that it wasn't right. That but you didn't nine like times it. out of 10, you, you appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, yeah, every absolutely. time. It's like it, scratching the itch is, is a great concept that everyone needs to implement in their lives today. Yes. And you did it with wealth management, starting by cold calling. Starting by cold door calling. Door to door, selling yes. tel- you know, phone services. Yeah. All the way to realizing that you could do something much bigger and you, you made it happen. Oh, a- absolutely. But don't get me wrong as well, too, is... You know, I, I went through the whole emotional roller coaster just like everybody else. You know, you're trying to build this business and you're asking yourself, am I doing the right thing? And is this, is this truly my, my calling? So it's, I don't think somebody just kind of falls into something and they're like, yeah, I'm going to do this forever. I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate that it's worked out so well and I absolutely love it. And, you know, frankly, I'm also in a position where, you, we talk about retirement. I sell the facade of retirement, but most people that I work with, like you look at our tribe, nobody retires. Yeah. <laughs> they may exit a business, but they enter into a new one. So they re- redefine what their life and what their work's going to be. Well, in this world too, you, there's so much resources where you can work very little hours a day and get so much done. Yes, you know, with absolutely. things like Fiverr and Uphold and putting things together. If you can become, and this is the thing I'm learning more and more, like there's just so much resources out there. Yeah, you know? yeah, there I, are. I've recently just been working way more with people through these freelancer sites, and I'm just blown away at the type of quality you can get for amazing prices and the relationships you can build. There's so much talented people that want to help. You know, you build your idea. But you got to go out and put in the work. You got to meet them. You got to you got to share the vision, and you got to build the build the squad, and That's it's right. all possible. Yeah. But you don't need to do everything. You know, outsource the things you're mm. not good at. 
You know, that's that's a tough one. That's that's very tough. And I think that that's one of the limiting factors of a lot of entrepreneurs is the control factor. I've got to keep it on my plate. But the reality is, is that work should go on to somebody else's. Man, this has been such a blast. And uh, for everyone that wants to get into wealth management, obviously, everyone's got to continue to follow you and your journey. How, how would you suggest anyone stay in touch with you, reach out to you or any of these things? Yeah, actually go to LinkedIn. I'm probably the only guy who's going to pitch LinkedIn. I saw that on social. your Instagram, your LinkedIn. That's, that's right. I have one of the, the most it's active. It's the persona. It's good. That, that's, that's correct. I've got one of the most active LinkedIn profiles for wealth managers in North America. So go to Stephen LeClaire on LinkedIn. Boom. With that said, we appreciate you so much. Let's run this back in the future. Maybe we'll bring on another person too. We'll do a whole gang thing. I loved it, man. I loved and, it. Absolutely uh, loved it. This has been really helpful. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. This is a damn good day to have a damn good day.